Welcome back to the Crash the Farm podcast. It is a post-game edition, a true post-game edition. We haven't done one of these in quite a, quite a little while as Jake cracks open a beverage. By the way, I'll just I'll just get it out of the bag here right up front. Happy birthday, Jake. Everyone wish Thank Jake you. a happy birthday. Thank the bir- you. The birthday boy today. You share a birthday with Adam Henrique. I do. Adam Henrique is, a, is exactly one year older than me. Who had the better birthday, you or Adam Henrique, who scored the tying goal tonight? I mean, he didn't have a hat trick. I claimed that he oh. would have a hat trick for all the February 6th birthdays out there, but... Damn. He didn't live up to that, but he, he, he still you, scored he, a goal. He let you down. He did. He let he, me and all of the other February 6th birthdays out there down. <laughs> well, on that note, we've got a lot to get into. This was kind of a weird, funky game where I'm not really sure what to completely take away from it, but... I do want to point out, this is a quick turnaround for us. We recorded a podcast on Thursday, um, and now we're recording just a couple days later. So we're, 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 playing, on a t- we're, we're playing on a tight schedule here. You know, the, yeah. tra- the, the travel oh. wear and tear. You know, I'm actually, this is actually a, a flu game for me because I've got, show the camera, I've actually got a cut on my finger. I've got a bandage on my finger. So I'm, I'm playing hurt here. Believe it or not, <laughs> having a cut on the tip of your... Uh, middle finger makes it much much more annoying to type so oh yeah definitely and as someone who basically types uh 10 12 hours a day that's that's annoying so yeah i could see anyway that. enough about me but i am playing hurt so if i say anything uh that doesn't make sense i'll just blame the injury yeah so. there, there you go should we briefly before we we get into the the game talk about the all-star weekend oh okay because that happened that did happen I mean, yes, I think that that's what I will say about it is that it did happen. Okay. Yeah. I did not watch any of the actual all-star game. (laughs) So why are you bringing it up if you didn't watch it? I don't know. Get it out of the way. People might care. People might think. Uh, I did watch the skills competition though. Okay. Did you, the skills competition was I I I caught glimpses of it, saw replays. I, you know, okay. I'll say this because there was a lot of groaning about, the skills competition and everything that's wrong with it and everything that's wrong with the all-star game. I think that people, I think we've reached a point where people are being a little too harsh. Like, yes, it's, it's a little cringy and and corny, but it's, 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 it's all for fun. And I think we need to learn to just enjoy watching these players kind of do their thing. The game itself, I think is probably the thing that needs the actual most work, but the skills competition is not this kind of crime against humanity that people are making out to be. Uh, this year's was, this year's was bad. And I'm someone that loves the skills competition and this year it was not good at but all. But how much I, of that is on the players though? Cause I think no, the actual, it, the actual infrastructure was fine to me. No, no. I think the infrastructure was bad this year. Okay. Well, the infrastructure we, so was bad I'm, because I'm putting it, I'm putting a three minute cap on this conversation. All right. That's fine. no one wants to hear about this here. Here's the issues that they had. It's the fact that they would start a contest do like two rounds of it and then move on to something else and like with the, and then come back to it later. And it's like, once you start a competition, just do that one the entire way through the, the whole breakaway challenge thing, they would start it, do one and then come back like an hour later with the next one. It's like, and same thing, fastest skater. It's like, it's way better. It's so much better. If you just kind of get to the conclusion and move on to the next one, this whole dragging out all these competitions just did not work at all for me from a whole setup perspective. And then it also feels like, and this one you could probably put the player on the players, but it could be the league also. Um, it feels like they took what made last year's All-Star game fun with that breakaway challenge and 
basically just uh, went into the bit part of it way more and eliminated any cool shit happening on the ice. And that's it. part of that's partly on the players. That no, definitely. I, I think it it goes both ways though. I think that the players are at fault here for not really caring too much. And then I think the league just set it up poorly. And I think there's better ways to do it, more ways to make it entertaining. And so I think it was just a shame of of a uh, skills competition, shame of an all-star weekend. Um, so, okay. yeah. So it was an all-star weekend is my takeaway from that. Yeah. So Fair. moving on, no one wants to hear about this. I, I sure as heck don't want to talk about it. Let's talk yeah. about the Anaheim Ducks. Yep. And a thrilling game, a thriller. The, 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 the thriller in Dallas. And... I got to say, this game got off to probably the most kind of nondescript start for basically the first 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of just getting into the, 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 the first period of this game, really the biggest takeaway is that Troy Terry left the game with, with an upper yeah. body injury. But our Derek Lee pulled up a great clip. Well, not a great clip, but did a great job in pulling up the clip yep. of the actual sequence. And it looks like he got a cross check to the ribs. Yep. And so who knows if it's the ribs, who knows if it's something else, but that's not a good sign because as much as one might argue that that helps the Ducks uh, tank chances, it's also just no one wants to see a guy get hurt and miss time. No, especially a guy that like has had a good season. Yeah, We talked about it at length on various different shows, but he's had a really good season. And even if the production hasn't followed, it was bound to start following. Exactly. So unfortunate, but... I guess we'll just wait and see. We don't really have any clarity right now as to the injury status. I do want to talk a little bit maybe about the line combinations going to tonight. Okay. So we had Trevor Zegers on a first line with uh, Adam Henrique and Troy Terry, which is something that we saw Dallas Higgins go back to prior to the all-star break. So this isn't necessarily new. And then you have Vetrano McTavish Jones. Now I understand that, you know, Dallas Akins is working with a very limited hand here. There's not a lot of cards to play in that top six, but why is Max Jones in the second line? Uh, do you want my, my, I, w- I want, a- I want your opinion. And then why you think he's there? Well, they're kind of one and the same of my opinion on why he's there is. I think that if you think back right to the Stucks lineup, when they were, um, earlier on in the season, what was a line that kind of was Dallas Aikens tried and true in some ways? Jones, McTavish, Leeson. Yeah, right. that's true. Got to go back and, to the bread and butter. Well, and I think that he probably views Jones as a good pair for, for Mason McTavish and then throwing uh, Frank Vitarno. And by the way, this line was used um, in the, the game against the Coyotes. Um, the lineup in the Coyotes game I think was exactly the same. Uh, Vetrano, McTavish, Jones, Henrique, Zegris, Terry, Strom, Lundestrom, Silverberg, Comtois, Megna, Carrick. Mm-hmm. So I think exactly the same lineup uh, between the two games. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say about the actual lines. I Outside of that, I just think that you have Comtois on a fourth line with Megna and Carrick, which I just think does nothing for him personally. It does absolutely nothing for, for, for Max Comtois. And I think Comtois would actually make that second line better. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. you have Ryan Strom, your your prized offseason acquisition, on a third line playing wing next to Isaac Lindstrom and Jakob Solberg. Yeah, like so, I mean, that's not would, great either. I would rather have Comtois McTavish Strom as a line. Like we've talked about it at length, though, that like Frank Vetrano should not be in a second line role. Like from what he's getting paid to where he's been in the past, maybe we're we were a little overhyped on him in the summer. But you look at what he's paid, everything like that. He's a third liner. 
Like, yeah. Like, I, I think people have a, had a little bit of an inflated expectation, and we're as guilty of that as ever, as anyone else with the assumption that he was coming into play with a, a Trevor Zegers. But that was almost based upon kind of like a fit, not necessarily where he should be projected for long-term on a team. Yeah. And so if you're looking at this, Vitrano with Lundestrom and Silverberg would make sense. Yeah, I don't mind Vitrano next to McTavish because he does kind of bring a little bit of that north-south game, and he does love to shoot the puck. Actually, I just I just don't want Strom and Vitrano on a line together. I yeah. guess that's where I'm getting at. If we put Comtois yeah. with McTavish, Vitrano needs to get off that line. Did you see the stat that Jay Fresh posted from uh, Corey Schneider's data today? No. About most shots per primary shot assist. So basically, who has the highest ratio in the league of shots to passes that result in shots? Okay. And Frank Vetrano is second in the NHL. That so, I'll, I'll tell you the top five. Well, number one is up. just to make sure I'm understanding exactly what you're saying. So shots per shot assist. So for every shot assist, which is a shot or a pass yeah, that results yeah. in a shot, yep. how many shots do you have? Yep. Okay. So basically, if he's second, that means he has significantly more shots than shot assists. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got so it. number one in the NHL, can you guess? Well, I now have it open. Okay. Well, I'll tell everyone. Warren Fogel, yeah. <laughs> which I would not have guessed in a million years. Frank Vetrano, number two. Logan O'Connor, number three. Alex Ovechkin, number four. Ricard Raquel, number five. So all this to say that this kind of lines up with just my eye test of Vetrano, where I feel like when he gets the puck, the only thing he thinks about is how can I shoot this? Yeah. And what's fascinating is I feel like, you know who's kind of gotten a little bit of that reputation this year on the Ducks? Hmm. Just that I've seen a little bit from some people on Twitter here and there is Troy Terry. Some people kind of saying he's become a little puck focused and is just working for his own shot. And I could see why you have that reputation, but I think this goes to show that's not exactly the case. He's still setting up a bunch of people. Yeah. Also, by the way, in the fewest shots per primary shot assist, Ryan Strom in the bottom 15. Yeah. So doesn't shoot the puck basically at all for for the shot assist he's getting but well he was on the line with frank vetrano my thing with yeah that's true like my, like it makes sense right you have two guys on either end of the spectrum on that my, were on the my, same my issue with vetrano is just that and now this is a bit of a tangent but i just feel like he there's a lot of low value offense when he's on the ice like he gets shots off yes he peppers the goalie but it's often just you know from a bad angle or from far away and he he has a good shot mechanically. He just doesn't leverage it into dangerous positions. Like tonight, I believe it was in the first period, could have been the second, but he had a great opportunity at the offensive blue line where he's in the middle of the ice kind of off of a broken play, and someone works it to him from the boards, and he has a bunch of ice in front of him, and he could walk it in for a better angle. And instead, he just one-times it, and he's right at the blue line, and it's it's an easy save for Ottinger. Yes, there was a little traffic, but it's just that kind of stuff where I want to see him use that shot of his in, in more advantageous positions. Yeah, so. I mean, it's just kind of come come out more so recently that – or not more recently, but, I mean, it makes sense. The shots from the perimeter just really don't do a whole lot. You're, yeah. you're guessing. You're hoping. And I remember there was a shot that happened, and Max Jones was given credit from the broadcast about getting the puck on net. And there was a rebound that maybe was laying oh, there the for slap Sam Kerr. Yeah. Yes. And, and the broadcast was very much high on that. And the puck gets wiped away by, by Miro Haskin in there. And it doesn't even get to Sam Carrick. And you're you're essentially hoping for a mistake instead of trying to. And I think that's the best way to put it is 
you are relying upon a goalie or a defenseman or someone making a mistake instead of creating your own offense. And I think that's the key distinction to make. And sure, there's going to be times that works out and it creates a goal. But you, if you're consistently, rely, consistently relying upon something where the other team has to make a mistake, that's not going to result in long-term success, right? Like, yeah. I just think from that perspective, when you put it in that kind of simple of terms, sure, you, you have this chaos that can happen, but a mistake has to happen or the puck has to bounce your way. Things have to happen. And you would much rather have something that you are generating that high-quality chance. And maybe there is a rebound that comes off that. Maybe there's a mistake that comes off of that. And that's the side product of it, but you are creating that high quality chance and that's what you're looking for. And you're not relying upon the mistake. Yeah. And on that play too, it was the same thing I'm talking about with Vetrano, where he had open ice in front of him. He had an opportunity to get into a more dangerous position and instead just kind of, I don't think I've ever seen Max Jones take a slap shot before that. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of amusing, yeah. but yeah, so outside of that, I mean, really not a whole lot to write home about in that first period. The Ducks gave up a goal and just another vintage Ryan Strom defensive coverage moment. Yeah, not great. Where on that play, he leaves Nils Lundqvist who, Lundqvist, who is a defenseman who just lets him basically walk in from the blue line, doesn't see him coming on the back door, and that's all she wrote, and that makes it 1-0 Dallas at that point. So... Really, overall, I didn't think that the Ducks necessarily played a bad first period, but there was just a lot of low-quality offense, so they weren't really that dangerous. And they didn't give up a ton on the other side, but they just made a critical error that cost them. And I feel like that kind of bears itself out when you look at the 5-on-5 numbers in the first period because the shot attempts were even. Yeah. So it kind of checks out that, yes, you know, they're down on the scoreboard, but I don't think they were playing. Like, I think that the numbers kind of mask the actual flow of the game where the numbers don't look too bad, but there wasn't really a lot coming from the, from the ducks in that period. Yeah. And I mean, if you have to say kind of really where Dallas generated most of their chances in that first period came on the power play. So if you want to look at something, sure at five on five, it was pretty even, but I mean, penalties really caused a, (laughs) were an issue in this game. And on that first power play uh, specifically for the Dallas stars and the first penalty kill for the ducks, um, they allowed a bunch of chances, and they were kind of lucky to get out of it. So, yeah, and, um, and we'll we'll get into uh, officiating because there's there's some key gems to point out kay. in the second period. Okay. So the Ducks go into the second period down one nothing, down Troy Terry, so clearly not a very uh, ideal situation. And, you know, I think in a, in a scenario where probably fans would like to see them bear down, tighten up, they just kind of lost their minds. I mean, they took just really poor penalties. Yep. Once again, gave up a goal. I mean, down two nothing at that point, and again, just really poor defensive work on that goal against. Mm-hmm. But I do just want to talk about the the penalties, though. Yep. Because so they I, ended I, the period with kind of two straight parades to the penalty box. Yeah. First, Max Jones, who was just livid about the penalty he took for interference late in the. Uh, second period yeah was it late in the second period or early in the second period no, I'm getting it was confused. it was late in the second period and there was one penalty right before so that was there were essentially three pat penalties at the end of the period for the ducks um one that was kind of a little bit earlier so uh let's see mason mctavish got caught for holding at 1437 in the second period yeah and so they were able to kill that one off and a couple minute, minutes later max jones uh yeah. took his penalty 
I do want to point out just quickly before that, though, that John Gibson had a spectacular save in the second John period. John Gibson was absolutely insane in this game. On Mason Marchment, just sprawled out. It was kind of that vintage Roberto Luongo save where he's on his back but gets his glove, his arm across and seals off the goal line just in time. Maybe even a little Dominic Hasek-esque. It was just really impressive. And Gibson had a great game tonight. And shocker, off of some rest, he looks great. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we said, right? Like, give him time off. Don't play him every single game. Like, there is a huge benefit to that. And we're seeing that right now. Yep. But on that penalty for Max Jones, though, did I mean, do you agree that it was a penalty? Yeah, I, I think it was. It was maybe borderline if you wanted to say that. Yeah. But I think it's a penalty because he kind of bears into, I forget who it was, but uh, kind of puts the shoulder into them. Well, and, that's the thing. And, and and here's the other thing. If you want to look at it like this, a lot of times penalties are only called, it's, it's dumb that it works like this, but it comes when it kind of impacts the play and creates an offensive chance for one team or the other, right? And so you look at that, that play by Max Jones jumping in front of him and causing that contact allows for a clean breakout, and the Ducks were going to be in on an odd man rush going the other way. And so if he doesn't make that play there, doesn't kind of interfere with him, the Dallas defender can get back and help impact that play. Yeah, and, and I just think that I'm assuming that what the, the, the Ducks bench was arguing for was incidental contact, mm-hmm. right? Like that's like I don't I can't really think of another argument that they would have mm-hmm. against the call. But it's like you don't really get the benefit of the doubt if you go into a guy, you line him up, and you lower your shoulder, then go into him. No matter how slight the contact ends up being, I don't think you can blame an official for not giving you the benefit of the doubt when you when you do that. Like yeah. if you watch the replay, it's clear he was intending to make contact. So, yep. But then, I, just to make matters even sillier, uh, Frank Vetrano picks up a ten minute misconduct, and they actually put the penalty on the on the official score sheet which I love, Mm -hmm. abusive officials. Yep. So, you know, you lipped off to the referee, and the Ducks pay for it. They go down two men and And somehow somehow survived it, but that was just like a crazy sequence. Frank Vetrano has said, I think it was on the Players' Lounge podcast they had with him and Ryan Strom, that uh, I think he even said this, and I think Strom also said it, that he can get be a hothead. And basically there are times that he just has to kind of let it out, and he's emotional – and, I mean, if you direct that towards an official, I mean, here's the general description of abusive officials. A player, goalkeeper, coach, or non-playing person shall not challenge or dispute the rulings of an official before, during, or after a game. A player, goalkeeper, coach, or non-playing person shall not display unsportsmanlike conduct, including but not limited to obscene, profane, or abusive language or gestures, comments of a personal nature intended to degrade an official, or persist in disputing a ruling after being told to stop or after being penalized for such behavior. So, yep. probably what happened is... He may have been given, we don't know which one came first. He may have been given a minor penalty and kept going, which led to the 10-minute misconduct. Yeah, well, because I think there is, the the initial penalty was already for abusive official, I believe. Well, yeah, you can get a minor penalty and a misconduct for both. Like, that is he just So he doubled down, and when you think about, I mean, if you ever listen to, like, NHL mic'd up videos, the, the referees catch a lot of flack. So to get an actual penalty for that, either you caught the official on the wrong night or more likely than not, you said something that was actually just a little too much. So yeah, not good. That put the ducks down two men, but they somehow kill it off. And then the entertainment value of the, the game began in the sec- in the third period. Mm-hmm. Anything else in the second period? Um, 
Besides not really. Simon I Benoit mean, still failing to cover people back door. I mean, this, the second period was really bad for the Ducks. That's one where if you look at the chances, um, that's where Dallas, I think, really, from a shots on goal perspective, a shot attempts perspective, um, all of that perspective, the Ducks really got caved in and they kind of flatlined and Dallas really went for it. And so the Ducks were extremely lucky to enter that third period only down two to nothing. And a large part of that is just due to John Gibson. Like that, that is quite frankly, exactly why the ducks were in that position and they shouldn't be if they had any other goalie in the net in that tonight. Yeah. So credit to John Gibson and let's face it. The Gibson doubters have, have egg on their face tonight. They do. They just do. Okay. On that note though, let's talk about the third period where the ducks mounted an admirable comeback. I would say, I mean, I really did not see this comeback coming and honestly that's kind of been the story of a lot of these ducks kind of late surges in the season is that they can just look dead in the water for most of the game and somehow conjure up some kind of energy at the very end yeah and i mean this kind of feels like the the script for the ducks uh this season is that oh, don't use the, don't use the word script you're gonna trigger a lot of a lot of nfl fans what this was a whole controversy that the nfl scripted after oh. the, the Chiefs-Bengals game. Oh, anyway, okay. Anyway. Um, but the script the Ducks have been kind of playing to so far <laughs> is that kind of they'll get on the power play and just kind of get one and then use that quick momentum. I mean, this is the thing for the Ducks, right? We talked about this early on in the year when we were kind of more focused on every single game um, and, and focusing on kind of the wins and losses and everything like that. But this team has some high skill level players. And when you they, have those, they, that they do, yes. And when you have that, you are able to have some quick strike offense, and it could be in the face of getting outshot, getting outclassed the entire game. But if you have those high skilled players that can really kind of have a moment of magic for a couple of minutes, that can kind of put you back in a game pretty quick. If you have the goaltending that they were able to get tonight, and and that's kind of what happened is the Ducks were able to get a goal in the power play that was just kind of a, a shot yeah. from Henrique that that tips off Silverberg's stick down and in. Oh, um, I think it was a, wasn't it a shot from Shattenkirk. What did I say? You said Henrique. I meant Shattenkirk. Yeah, I mean, you you said star talent, and what better example? Shattenkirk and Silverberg. That's pa- that's power place that, help. That's point in case right there. You know, we should call them star talent to really boost that trade value. <laughs> At one point, were they stars? Arguably, yes. So I there mean, you go. Kevin Shattenkirk going back to the Lightning is what should happen. By the way, I just want to point out. On the mm-hmm. Gibson note, that mm-hmm. he was at a minus two point oh seven GSAX going to tonight. Goal saved above expected. He's now above expected. Probably. He had a three point. He had a three point nine six yeah. tonight. So he just willed himself back up above break even with one game, yep. which kind of shows maybe the flaws of the stat. But anyway, it's a cumulative stat. You need to take. You take all the good with the bad, right? But if you stopped at tonight versus or after tonight versus before tonight, you would have two. I think divergent impressions of well that's why you would do it on a per 60 level and then what's what's the change in his per 60 from tonight to previous but yeah but anyway so so the the ducks get contribution from their stars on the power play via a silverberg goal uh, from shattenkirk and toronto and then you know thankfully their depth players and zegris and henrik come to the rescue uh, oh yeah late in the late in the period that play by the way so on that goal trevor (laughs) zegris is able to stop the the zone exit for the the dallas starts and is able to find henrik in the slot Henrique makes an amazing shot. By the way, can, can we maybe argue that there should have been a penalty on Kulikov on that play? Because for interference? At, as the stars are trying to break out, he's basically hanging on for dear life. To, and, he, and he does slow him down, and that's actually what allows Zegris to poke the puck free. But 
neither here nor there. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not nope. gonna rain on that parade. Nope. Uh, but great play by Zegers to poke the puck off the stick. I mean, there are so many people out there that don't want to give him credit for having strong defensive plays, being able to get turnovers uh, in his own zone and also cause it in the offensive zone. Um, and he's able to do that, and it creates a shot from Adam Henrique in a dangerous spot, and Adam Henrique just kind of keeps it. up his, he keeps up his toward scoring pace. I mean, we've talked about it with Adam Henrique, but he's a guy that just has really been able to defy aging curves at this point in time. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of wild, but he's also just been a guy that has always been able to shoot at a very high percentage. And there are going to be guys in that position that maybe they just don't ever regress because they're always, I mean, he's always kind of been in the 15% range. Yeah. He, it's kind of crazy when you look at his shooting percentage and you want to look at that and you say, he's going to regress, but every year he's at 15%, 14%. Like right now he's at 18%. So maybe a little bit high, but still like his lowest career shooting percentage season was his 21-year-old season where he shot 12.3%. Yeah, he's on pace now for 31 goals this season. Yeah. He's got he's got 19 goals in 50 games. Like I think we need to pay a little more homage to to the one they call Rico. To yeah, I mean, did this increase his uh, trade value? <laughs> well, funny you should ask because this is something I think we we've been talking about on and off the last two podcasts and we, I think, was it in the last pod where we talked about the possibility of him going to Vegas? Yeah, by the way, someone brought up something on that that I think is a very good point. I can't remember who it was, so I apologize for not giving credit where it's due on this. So please reach out and I'll retweet or something like that. But they mentioned that Dad, uh, they don't know if they I may have, let me check YouTube comments. It may have been there. But what are the chances that Verbeek wants to do a deal with Vegas after the Dadnov incident last year? Well, is that really on Vegas, though? I mean, it's a little bit. They didn't but, properly communicate. Like they weren't. They didn't know his no trade list. I mean, and if they agreed. They agreed to it. Like that is ineptitude on their side. It screwed over. It screwed over what Pat Verbeek was trying to do. True, but at the same time, if there's a deal to be made and it makes sense, and there isn't anything standing in the way That's that fair. could screw it up, I just don't think you should let that prevent you from making a move that helps you i agree but i think that really makes it even more so where it needs to be a really sweet deal for pat verbeek to make and and i think that that's something that we touched on last time is that there's just there's not really a whole lot that the vegas golden knights can offer the ducks to make this worth it unless they're willing to i don't want to say overpay but they're they're willing to make a good offer because i do think that the ducks are doing them a solid with their retention with the fact that he's got an extra year. Like, this is kind of the perfect pickup for the Vegas Golden Knights. They need this kind of cost certainty. And yeah, you're just and not going to get better. I mean, how many contracts in the NHL are going to be better value than Adam Henrique at half retained? Yeah, and Curtis asks, does uh, Henrique have any trade protection? Is, he if he's not mistaken, he has a newborn at, at home, might not want to leave for a few months uh, or leave for the couple of months that it's going to be required at this point. And so, so he does. He has a 10-team yeah. no list. So there are 21 teams that he has he could be traded to without needing his so assume that seven of those of those 10 are in canada yeah and and then the other three are in cold markets i don't know i'm completely making this up but yeah i i would venture to guess vegas is not one of those i would venture to guess vegas is not one of them i'd venture to guess i'd venture to guess kind of any team at this point like yes there is the human aspect of it uh of having a newborn at home and i can definitely relate to that and it's probably not a fun thing if he's moving and his wife and child are staying and Having to spend multiple months away, um, that would be absolutely miserable thinking but, about that right now. But the thing is, but, I mean, oh, sorry, keep going. But he is later in his career, and he's not going to have many chances to chase the Stanley Cup. 
And so it's going to be weighing that personal and also his family could, they could find a place to rent and move. It's a lot to do in that short amount of time and a lot to do with a new, uh, a, I think not a newborn, I think a couple months old, but it's a lot to do. Uh, and so there is that that's, human. That's kind of the nature of the business yeah, though. That like, is 100%. Not, not to be heartless here, but like, that's kind of what these guys have to deal with. And, Agreed. Just and, simply, and, simply speaking from my own personal experience on this though, that's kind of. Oh Where yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to diminish it whatsoever, but I do think that if you're going to if you're going to have to make some kind of difficult move like that, going to a place where you're going to be for at least another year and, and that's not that far, you know, I, he's, I, th- I think that's 33 that, like how many more kicks at the can does he realistically have? Yeah. Um and so I think for him at this point in his career, right? There's got to be that that conversation and I mean, the, if he can get traded to a contender that has a shot at a cup, like that would be huge. I mean, hell, yeah. the Devils would be a great landing I mean, spot it, for it, him. It also. helps him get another contract, right? Yeah. Like, Which picture is, him it, with Jack Hughes. Man, a, a Devils homecoming would be fun. Yeah, I'd love to see. Him. I don't know what the Devils would offer up in that deal, but I think well, the, that that would be a fantastic trade. I think both for Henrique because I think going back to a place where he grew up. And I think it's a great. I like. I think Henrique honestly is a great fit for any team. I think but, I'd be but hard. But that pressed. move, if you're talking, you know, family situation, that's yeah. a tougher move. I mean, you're going coast from to coast distant. There. Yeah, yeah, but it, there is some. There is some uh, familiarity. Familiarity there. CJ, uh, our good friend Chris from the late arrival shows uh, says uh, Jesper Bratt may be coming back. Oof, I I, th- I, I think, doubt that. I doubt that. I mean, it depends on where his contract's at. But well, he he's a he's an RFA this summer. With arbitration rights, and I, yeah. if I, if I'm not mistaken, they had a bit of trouble getting his last deal done. They did, but at the same time, that feels like a big price to pay for for Adam Henrique. So yeah. I don't know. And also, I mean, everyone has the Devils pegged as the Timo Meyer landing spot, so it feels like they're probably going to blow their trade load on Meyer. I mean, what if they don't end up with him? Adam Henrique's a good fallback. Well, if they're left kneeling at the altar, then yes, I think that you have to. You have to explore the Henrique route. That that's why I think like if if I'm Paverbeek, I'm shopping Adam Henrique because I just think that in this kind of cap world that we're living in, where no one has cap space, being able to offer the cost certainty half off for two years yeah. is and, just like a great deal. And I think originally I was hesitant on moving Adam Henrique because you do want to keep a veteran here to help this team out. But I think with the scoring streak that he's been on this year, yeah, I, I think it's hard not to try to cash in on that. And I think that's the key element there is what is another year of Adam Henrique to you versus he has, he's probably at a higher value now than he would be. at the And would you really want the ducks signing his next contract, despite how well he's, he's aged here. I I just, and you know, if they don't trade him this season, I mean, first off, I think that's likelier to happen than not, but also they can still potentially move him next trade deadline when it'll presumably be easier but yeah, so so just kind of shifting gears back to the game here before we we take a break. We let, let's finish the game after the break. Okay, let's take a break right now. Yep. So this episode is brought to you by Green Chef. So Green Chef has expanded their menu. You can choose from thirty recipes weekly, with the option to mix and match uh, meals from different dietary preferences in the same box without changing your plan. Also, by the way. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. They make eat they make eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, 
gluten-free or just looking to eat a more balanced meal, Green Chef offers a variety of recipes to suit your preferences. And so you can get everything also that you need at Green Market, their one-stop shop for quick breakfasts, uh, brunch kits, wholesome lunches, and more uh, you can easily add on to your weekly order. And they're offering more customization than ever. Um, in addition to swapping proteins in any meal that features chicken, beef, or salmon for USDA certified organic ground beef, USDA certified organic ground chicken or, and wild caught salmon. Now you can also add chicken or fish to select vegan and veggie recipes each week for an added protein boost. Um, they're also the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. They have options for every lifestyle, whether you're keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, and also gluten-free. And they're the only meal kit that, uh, or they're the only keto meal, meal kit. They make sticking to a carb conscious lifestyle easy. And in 2023 also, they help it, uh, help your, deli- uh, yourself to delicious, easy to follow. They have easy to follow recipes that support your healthy lifestyle and taste good too. They are absolutely delicious. I, they like go get it, please. Uh, eat well in the new year without sacrificing taste, bring more flavor to your table in the new year with green chefs, wholesome elevated recipes. Um, and the recipes also feature premium protein, seasonal organic produce, and sustainably sourced seafood. You can expand your palate. Even you, Lewis, can expand your palate with your unique farm-fresh ingredients like figs, dates, and artichokes. Raise your food standards in 2023 and reap the flavor benefits. Green Chef is the only meal kit also that is both carbon and plastic offset. They offset 100% of their carbon footprint as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. And 100% of our of their seafood meets the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch rankings of certified best choice and good alternatives. Um, and, I mean, Green Chef has been so kind to send us meals over the years, the years now yeah. that we've been doing it. And I have to say every single time it's so good. The last time that I got a box from them, um, it had a Turkey and bell pepper quesadilla in it. And it came with a little bit of uh, sour cream and Cholula. I had never thought about mixing Cholula with the sour, with sour cream. And they threw uh, the recipe called for some green onions in it. That entire mixture just as a dipping sauce for the quesadilla was so so good um i really cannot recommend that enough and kind of looking at some of their menus um i'm currently looking at my subscription and my next one and so they have so many delicious things they've got a spicy turkey and rice skillet they've got a keto cheese fondue with beef tenderloin that looks absolutely amazing uh some ranch steak with truffle sauce there's so many delicious things on their menu that every single week there's something new to do and it's all pretty easy to follow they give you the recipes they give you the ingredients um it's just great and so you should all go do it you can go to greenchef.com ctp60 and use code ctp60 to get 60 percent off plus free shipping so once again you can go to greenchef.com ctp60 and use the code ctp60 to get 60 percent off plus free shipping green chef the number one meal kit for eating well go check them out by the way i just want to give a shout out to to lewis here to lou to the one they call lou because i don't think there's any other person in podcasting that isn't actually on the show nor related to the show in that they're like a producer or a guest or anything that gets this many mentions on the podcast like think about that shout out late arrivals yeah go check them out I was going to say, maybe it's akin to, like, Jamie on the Joe Rogan podcast, the producer who who is, like, on the show but isn't. 
But even that doesn't count because he's still the producer. So I just... Yeah, I mean, yeah. our Discord's kind of that because we interact hat tip. with these people so much. Hat tip. Yeah. <laughs> you got to respect <laughs> it sometimes. Uh, Puck Empire is going to gonna give you that right there. Wait, what did I do? You said hat tip. Oh, yeah. Oh, God damn. <laughs> oh, well, that just... That just... I didn't know if that's what HT stood for. <laughs> that is what HT stands I for. I did not know that. You that that is a shocker <laughs> for me. Anyway, so oh, just found out the Warriors won. That makes me happy. Okay, now I'm in a great mood. We can finish strong here. So Ducks tied up. Adam Henry goal. Great feed by Trevor Zegers, and that's. I want to talk about the Zegers assist just a touch because he did that a couple times tonight and. You love seeing that add, you love seeing him add that to his arsenal, that ability to stop up, kind of assess the situation and just float a pass where it needs to go. He's been doing that more consistently. And, you know, Trevor Zegers is just continuing to blossom into a complete all around offensive threat before our very eyes this season. So Yeah. Want want to give him a little little credit here. And then going into overtime, you know, John Klingberg looked like a man on a mission. Yeah, he wanted to win that game. He definitely had money on the board. I think yeah. he, he definitely wanted this win, and I don't blame him uh, against the team that basically kicked him to the curb. So he was looking for a win, and the Ducks just couldn't really find a way. It's it's so interesting how they got that four-on-three power play, and you know they have McTavish and Zegers on the opposite flanks. They have Fowler at the top. Interestingly, Strom in the bumper instead of Henrique. I, I, yeah, I, I was, that hit me. I was, I was a like little... wondering why that happened because I saw it hit me when Henrique was on the second unit, and I was like, wait, why is this happening? Yeah, and, exa- I mean, here's the thing that I saw with that power play specifically is they mentioned this, but it said they mentioned this on the broadcast, but they kind of were able to see that Newell Brown kind of was waving his arms around, kind of saying, "We want movement," and you saw that from them, right? You saw Trevor's you guys kind of always circling. But it almost felt like it was still them kind of working for that McTavish one-timer. And yeah. Dallas was doing a really good job of almost just keeping someone on McTavish. And the I think the frustrating thing is that they left the net front wide open. And I feel like there hasn't been the ability to move the puck to the person in the front of the net in that situation. Well, also, they had Strom just hanging out below the goal line. You know, at some on, points, yeah, on on the left side, and yeah. so that just kind of clogs. Well, but it Strom up. at times were also Strom at time was in the front of the net, and no one was on him, and he was wide open yeah. with no one near him. Well, I think also Trevor Zegers is going to have to get better at. Nick Suzuki is great at this, where when you don't, and Connor McDavid is also good at this. When when you don't have the puck, to kind of circle back almost outside the blue line, and then kind of curl back into the offensive zone, and as you're receiving it, you're catching it with speed. And you're creating the space that wasn't there before because you're lulling the the penalty killers yeah. to sleep a little bit. You're, it's they call it a speed differential, and that way you kind of have the penalty killers on their heels a bit more. And that's that's how some of the great players in the power play in this league get their offense. Is they're even when they don't have the puck, they're doing things to create space. And I think sometimes Zegers, because he's so good with the puck on his stick, he kind of loses sight of the fact that he can still be dangerous without the puck. And so he gets a little static. He starts kind of, you know, chopping onions, as they say, with the puck on his stick. So that's that's an area for growth. But, I mean, part of this is also in coaching. So Yeah, I mean, it feels like the power plays are all set up to move that puck on that one-timer to McTavish. And kind of when that's not there and being taken away, it almost feels like they're... 
I don't know if you could put this on the players, but there's not the ability to improvise. And maybe that that's, seems like it's almost on the coaching staff for being too rigid, not giving the players the ability to improvise there, different things like that. And so that's the only thing that I noticed in that that moment with that power play. And that then we got a lot of four-on-four four afterwards and ended with a little bit of three-on-three. Three and Ended with Isaac Lindestrom at four-on-four, four, just looking lost, I think is yeah. the only way to put it. Yep. Um, but to the shootout we go best part of the sport if we're being well, honest i i have a, a bone to pick when we get to get well to i minutes. have a conspiracy theory okay i think that there was an issue with the ice on the oh, duck side that's not Did my bone to pick every ducks player fumbled the puck at one point or another like mctavish managed to score but it was kind of like a half whiff on that backhand yeah uh, Z- although Z- he's Z- done that a bunch now where he kind of pulls it back and just kind of like jams it in the five hole so I, that's a move that he's done of late. So I'll give him the credit that that Maybe. was the move that but, he wanted there. But Henrik lost it. Zegers lost it, which you just never see. Yeah. So, you know, Dallas is the home of many a conspiracy theory, you know, dating back to the 1960s. So who's to say? Maybe they maybe they rigged the ice. Okay. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> what is I your bone to pick? My bone to pick is against people that claim that the shootout sucks. Oh. Yeah. And here's and here's my bone a- to pick with that. There's zero difference in terms of if you want to say it's a skills competition between 3 on 3 overtime and a shootout. 3 on 3 overtime is not something you see ever throughout the course of a game or you very rarely. You're more likely to see a penalty shot than you are a 3 on 3 over or 3 on 3 throughout the course of a game. And while three on three is entertaining and I have no bone, I like completely fine with it. Eh, Entertaining is starting to become a bit of a stretch. The play that you see in a three on three overtime is does not resemble anything that you would see in five on five. No, the way that the game is played, the way the puck is brought off the ice, the way everything is done. It's not even resembling five on five. And so if you're trying to, if you're trying to create an entertaining system, that's going to be a fun way to watch a game. Sure. I'm good with three on three. But if you're trying to determine a winner and come up with the, uh, a reasonable way to determine who should win a game, it's just as poor of a way to do it as the shootout. I just think the, the shootout is almost, even if you don't like it, I think it's a necessary evil in, a, in an 82-game regular season. It, it's also it, fun from the drama perspective. It, it's, 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 no, but, but setting that aside for yeah. a second, like it just ends the game. There's basically no injury risk. Mm-hmm. Like at a certain point, that has to matter. Like the guy's yeah. got to go catch a flight after the game and get to the next city. So from a practical perspective, I think it does that well. You know, extending three on three to ten minutes, I don't know if that guarantees anything. The way that teams are so conservative. So just from a practical perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense to have the show. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. I also think from the drama perspective, it's there. I mean, it's similar in some ways to baseball, where you have this one on one battle, right? And I mean, it's how, a much. How do you how do you feel in baseball about the? Uh, runner on second to start extra innings. Um, I'm fine with it from the same perspective of this. If you're just trying to get games over the only issue that I have with it in baseball is that it's not a point system. Right. And so baseball is just a win loss. And so Mm. here's my issue with that is in hockey, you have to award a loser point. You absolutely have to in overtime. And I don't, I just completely disagree with the idea that you just, if you lose, then you get no points. And if you win, like if we're going to that, then just make it wins and losses, get rid of a point system overall. First off, I would love and, that. And second off, you can't do that though. If you have, if you're fundamentally changing the game, 
with three on three overtime with a shootout. It's not resembling five on five. If you're going to just play five on five and do what baseball does and go until there's a winner. Sure. Make it where you get a win and loss and that's it. Like what basketball does, right? Mm -hmm. You go, you play the however many minutes of overtime. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. Um, What's wrong with that? Why did we, why do we need points? Someone explain that to me because there were ties, but there are no longer ties. Well, but they turn ties into overtime losses. Yes, and that and that is a big like in, th- th- that's so, just completely distorting what that point initially stood for. Yeah, that that point and the thing is an overtime loss to me is the same concept as a tie. Well, in theory it makes sense. I guess I I understand the argument that well, regulation ended in a tie. So you yeah. get the point for that, the which is, would have been issue, the same previously. The issue is is that if you're going to do that, you have to adjust the point system so that you are giving out three points for a regular or three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime win or shootout yeah. win, and one point for an overtime or shootout loss. Because then you are essentially you're still giving that one point for a tie, yeah. and then you're giving the additional point for the team that is able to do better than the tie. Yeah. And then you're and, and every game's worth the same. You get three points. And Lewis is saying the shootout straight malarkey. Stop trying to gimmick up the game. Three on three <laughs> overtime is a gimmick. Well, I just think that fundamentally the winning in regulation has to be the most valuable thing, right? It's it, not even so for me, it's not even winning in regulation. It's winning in the way that the game is played throughout the the majority of the yes. game. Yes. Well that's that's what regulation is. Like but you, it, you don't but have five can, on five they, in overtime. No, but that's my point. Is that if they wanted to go to five on five in overtime, sure. Fine. Like, I, I no, still disagree because it, it you're incentivizing teams to play this just distorted style that doesn't actually exist in the playoffs. Like, in no, the play- what, I, in, what I'm saying is you can do away with, with the point in, in, the, play- in, in the playoffs. You, you know, you, the points are based on who won the game. And so, right. You get a, it's that, a point that, on the board that's for a what one I'm, game. That's what I'm saying. If you continue five on five into yeah. overtime that you just do wins and losses. Yeah. But in the playoffs, it's not like you get a half win for going to, to overtime, but that's essentially what we do in the regular season. Yeah. So, and DB Lowry is saying, doesn't the tiebreaker for regulation wins kind of function as that already in a way, but it's not going to be to the extent like that should still be the tiebreaker. If you did a three, two, one point system, because you could have a team that should would have be tied in points. And one team has more regulation wins than the other. That is a tiebreaker. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So kind of to the pushback on the shootout to the pushback on the point system, I think you have to have a loser point if you're doing it the way you are um, with, with, ha- with yes. of, of fundamentally changing the game. But I think you have to go to a 3-2-1 point system. That's what yeah. you have to do. And so yeah. I think you're, for me personally, your two options are the current system, 3-2-1 point system, or just bring back ties. No more overtime, no more shootout. The game ends tied. And, and what's tie. wrong with that? And what's wrong with that? Do you What's think wrong? that that would impact viewership? Because that was the whole thing, was right after the well, 05, NHL 06 lockout. View, I mean, I know you're. I know there's reason to dispute this, but NHL viewership is down this year. Yeah, and so something to think about. But I just here's my uh, maximum chaos take. Game ends. The regulation ends. Go straight to a shootout. Just just cut to the sure. chase. Sure. Like why even mess around? It, I mean, what would you do for the point system there? <sighs> Just three points for, well, three points for a win and then maybe a point for going to the shootout. I don't know. And then what if you win the shootout? Two points. 
So three, two, one. So so it'd be it would be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Jen I and do. Casey bring up, and I believe this is Casey from our Discord, who's a huge uh into the PHF and things like that, saying the three two one point system in the PHF is the best co- or is the best because teams will be pulling their goalies in a tied game with a minute left if they need the extra point and it rules. Yeah, like you're you're incentivizing winning the real game when it matters, not the gimmick. Like yeah. But I, I acknowledge that the shootout is you know, quote unquote gimmicky. Although I would dispute that a little bit because the Olympics have used well, the shootout. I, I dispute that it's any more gimmicky than three on three. Yeah. I personally have grown to not be that fond of three on three. I've grown to wave. love it because I think the ducks play a fun brand of it. And so I think that, yeah, that's, that's why fair. I think when the ducks first brought, when three on three was first brought in, the ducks had a team that was just not built. And that's where I kind of go get, uh, go to all this from is that, <laughs> When the no, but legitimately, I'm, I'm just I'm just fascinated. We spent this much time on this, eh, but that's okay. It's, it's fine. all good. Um, when the three on three was first brought in, it was with Bruce Boudreau as the Ducks head coach, and those were the Getzloff years, the Perry years, those types of things. Those were legitimately great teams. They were garbage in three on three overtime. Was it Boudreau or Carlisle? It was Boudreau when they brought in three on three. Has it been that long since fifteen yes. sixteen? Yes. I feel like it was later than that, but anyway, continue. I'll I'll, I'll double check that when I'm done with this. Point. I think it was with Carlisle, but anyway. Okay. Um, it maybe was just one year of Bruce with it, but regardless, um, the those teams were garbage at three on three because they they were a team that was built for five on five hockey. Oh, you're right. By the way, okay. And adopted June 24, 2015. There we go. Uh, those were teams that were built for for five on five hockey. And when you went to three on three with a more open space, those teams were not meant to go into that much open space and get into those types of track races. And that's why they were that boring brand of hockey. Do you remember the, the, there was that game against the Oilers. And I think it was with Randy Carlisle as the head coach where the ducks just held onto the puck the entire time that was McDavid was on the ice. And they just kept the puck in their own zone. They just would not, they wouldn't attack. They just sat back with the puck the entire time that McDavid was on the ice, then waited for him being off the ice to attack. That sounds and, about right, though. Yeah, but it's just like that just goes to show, right, that just because you're good at three-on-three three doesn't mean that you're a good team. And we see it with the current Ducks. The current Ducks are good at three-on-three. Three. And so there's no correlation there. So if you're trying to make the argument that three-on-three three is more so hockey, well, you have bad team or good teams that are bad at three on three and bad teams that are good at three on three. So there's not really a huge correlation to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, on a separate note, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Zegris has finally found a way to deke himself out in a shootout attempt just with all the moves he puts on. Cause that's always been kind of what's impressed me about his shootout goals is how many moves he puts on and how many times, how many ways that that could go wrong. And it finally, I guess caught up to him tonight but yeah i i'm a fan of the shootout i love seeing the creativity of the players i love seeing great saves i love seeing yep. great goals it's fun. i think it's just entertaining and also again in a long season gives us something a little different helps reduce the injury risk like i just i don't really see the downside so yep all right so in defense of the shootout any final get- takeaways from this game um some people might be mad that uh, the uh, oh, that this yeah. did not help the tank. And well, while I get that, the Ducks are still thirtieth. Like they're they're gonna be bad. I just I don't know. I think tomorrow's game is gonna be interesting to watch versus Chicago. <laughs> I 
Yeah. And, and so we'll kind of see how no Troy Terry, Derek Grant, I guess might be back. Get him, get him in the lineup. First line first, center. F- first line winger. Just, just a phantom scratch Mason McTavish for quote unquote, you know, maybe he's got yeah. a calf issue, something. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, well, Anthony Stolarz should be a net. And by the way that just the way he's played this season, maybe that actually helps this, this effort. So, yeah. All right. Want to get some questions? Sure. All right, so we're going to start with our Discord. Um, I don't think we got anything on Twitter, so we'll start there. Um, so you can get on our Discord, though, if you go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, hey, Flow. So the, neither of these questions are hockey-related, so we'll just blitz through them. But Twitch, YouTube, start throwing your questions into the chat. We'll start getting to them once we're through these two. From Hey, Flow said, What are Felix's thoughts on Jericho dressing up as Danhausen on the Jericho Cruise 5 this past weekend? No thoughts. Wrestling. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Lewis X 209. This, this one you'll have opinions on. Are we sure about peppers on an in and out burger or on burgers in general? Ooh. So, okay. There's been some controversy as of late, some pushback that in and out changed the peppers. No, the they burgers. did. No, they yeah, actually, no, there's that's not what like, I'm saying. It, yeah, like there's pushback because of what they did. That's what I'm well, saying. Well, supposedly I, I've seen some. I've seen some. It's TikToks. because of like it's because of like a shortage or something. Yeah, and so supposedly that they're gonna be in March or something like that. They're gonna be able to get the regular chop. Uh, get well, the anyway, regular chili peppers back. Anyway, point is people are freaking out about this, and I just want to say that I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Like the pep, like people swear by the peppers in a they're burger. They're so good. They're so good. Yeah, they're good, but I just like an In and Out burger is just fine without them. Like you can have still have a fine sure, experience. Sure, so. but that's like that's like saying they change. Like if they like I don't know, they went to a different onion or something like that, and it, it did change kind of what you did. But that's you impossible. Get, but you would go to a burger without the onion on it. Then as a result, like it does change it. If, if yes, you're, but the, if you're but, regular, but, a pe- but a pepper is a add on. It is optional, and an onion it's usually going to be in there unless you ask for no. So in and out told me when I went recently, I was shocked by this and I was worried that it was going to come out incorrect because my <laughs> wife never wants onions in her burgers. Well, they actually ask you onions every time. Have you noticed so because that? a regular, because a regular cheeseburger does not come with onions in it. An onion mm. is an add on. Okay. Yeah, but come on, you really th- an it, onion is an add-on. You're you're comparing onions to peppers, chili, the chopped pep- apples, apples chopped peppers, chopped peppers are great. I just I just don't really care about the chopped chilies, and I don't care if that offends anyone. But I will hold a candlelit vigil for you if you're offended. everyone. Go go cancel Felix for this bad opinion. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like them. I just I think that they're overhyped for what they are, and I also they kind of overpower the burger. Like it's just, I didn't out for lunch. It was great. Didn't. Seeing you tw- seeing you put that in our Discord made me f- like flirt with the idea of getting in and out for lunch, but I went for a sprout sandwich instead because they're five ninety nine. There you go. All right, so now we're gonna get to our questions. So for those of you uh, listening to this, we do this each and every month, or well, not each and every, typically every Monday. Switches around depending on how our schedules work out. <laughs> um, but you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash pond or youtube.com slash crash pond. If you are on Twitch, you can uh, subscribe to our channel. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. And it does help support us more than you can imagine. And if you uh, are watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to this, go check out our YouTube channel. Go like to it, subscribe to it, 
Um, we're trying to get our subscribers up and things like that on there. So please go Should check us out. Should we become YouTubers? There. Should we post videos? Like non podcast videos? I mean, we could just clip the podcast to yeah, clips. That's, that's true. A lot of, that's a lot of work. That, that's, yeah. That's a lot of work. Uh, maybe in the future. Uh, Curtis said uh, from YouTube saying, uh, Is Felix going to address the fourth period reporting on Verbeek's uh, interest, or that Verbeek is interested in extending Shattenkirk? Yeah, that's that's been put out there. I have no additional commentary. Okay. Uh, I'll have that commentary for you. I will believe that when I see it. Well, I don't doubt that there's information somewhere along the way. But here's the here's my issue with that report. It's not the report itself. It's just that that's... I mean, Verbeek said the same thing about Lindholm and Manson last season and, and Raquel. Like, it was like, I'm going to try to extend these guys, but if I can't, blah, blah, blah. So, to me, this is probably the same kind of thing, just absent that second part. So, I don't... I wouldn't really worry about that. I feel like it's almost like trying to communicate the right way that, Hey, you know, we have this well-liked veteran. We'd love to keep him around, but might end up trading him anyway. So really quick. I, I gotta, I gotta shift to this something real quick. Lewis is throwing in our Twitch chat saying peppers belong on fajitas and stuff, not on burgers. Does Lou not understand what type of peppers they are on, on in and out burgers? They're not bell peppers. No, they're they're chilies. Yeah, they're chili peppers. They're not like a fajitas pepper. Well, they're still a pepper though. <laughs> no, I know, but like the peppers that come on fajitas are bell peppers. That's very different than the I chili just, pepper. I just truly don't care about the chopped chilies. Okay. They're fine. Um uh Skabaffer uh says besides Klingberg, Klingberg, which other ducks defensemen or forwards get moved at this year's deadline? I think Kulikov and Shattenkirk go. Does bull you get you something? We saw Jacob Megna get moved for a fourth. Yeah. Does Nathan so, bull you get that? I think that the, the Megna trade is good news on the, the three others on Kulikov, um, Schottenkirk and Klingberg, but I don't know about bull I mean, I just, Megna has good underlying numbers. Maybe that the Kraken valued him more than other teams. Cause they are analytically inclined, but I, maybe, I mean, te- NHL teams keep taking Nathan Bollier. They keep giving him contracts. They keep putting him on their rosters. So I guess it's perfectly plausible that someone would give you like a six-round pick for him. I don't know. Yeah, I think the Ducks are probably – I mean, he's played a decent amount this year, and I think that that's something that kind of boosted up in somebody's and gonna- Can I, I say s- this? He, he's been bad, but he's been like – he's been not as bad as I expect. Like, he's been – not any worse than I expected. How about that? Yes. Agreed. Especially for how bad the Ducks defense is. He's not been a significant drag. No. Like, like he hasn't been any worse than than the the people around him. Yeah. So, um, so which other f- players do you think? So, we got... Kulikov. So, I think for sure, Kulikov, Shattenkirk. Do you really see uh, Beek though, trading four roster defensemen? Like, like, who's going to play de- defense for this team once all these guys are gone? I, I mean, that leaves you with Fowler, I mean, Colton White, Simon Benoit. You're going to have to call up four defensemen. I mean, they've played Austin Strand, so they have probably some confidence in him. You also are kind of missing that they may bring someone in as a eating salary or eating salary That's fair. for someone. There's That's that fair. side of it. There's also, I mean, maybe he's feeling confident that both Thrun and Lacombe are going to sign. Once their seasons are done, that he's getting the indications that that's going to happen, and they jump straight 
straight into the the Ducks lineup right away and get them some experience there. Yeah. Um, well, you've like got if, you, you've got bodies in San Diego you can call up, but then San Diego becomes compromised. Like, and there's Hel- and then, there's Hellison that can yeah. be called up. Like there there are guys there, so I'm not concerned from that perspective if they do that with four. Also, I mean, it's it's like should it really matter anyway? I mean, and so. who knows? Maybe Jamie Drysdale ends up making miraculous comebacks and gets some games well, in down he, the stretch. Was it six months when he went down? It's like wasn't it four to six? And that was what, like October? I'll double check that. Here, let me let me Google it. I have yeah. it at my fingertips here. But yeah, so uh, four four to six so. months in November. So four months would put him at actually right now, but it doesn't seem like that. Or no, sorry, that would be next month. Yeah. So, so I mean, maybe yeah. maybe he comes back and gets some games down the stretch, right after these maybe. guys get moved. So there's Uh-oh. that. Puck Empire. Rudolph says Drysdale coming back. No, they only do that to you. They don't do it to me. Don't hat worry. Hat tip, hat tip, crash they, the pond. They don't follow me. I don't have the I don't have the exposure that you do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um forwards that are gonna get moved. I think does Derek Grant get moved? He should, but he also just has barely played this season, it feels like. So But do you think someone would value him as like a fourth liner face off guy? Sure. Like sure. There, I feel like there are GMs out there that would value that. Have the ducks been keeping him out purposefully? So that he can not be hurt. Maybe the trade deadline. I mean, probably not, but maybe. Um, yeah, let's see. Are what other UFAs are there for the forwards? I think it's really Jason ju- Megna. I don't think he gets you much of anything. No, I mean so, he was a waiver. He was a waiver claim. Anthony Stolarz is. I mean, he's not a forward, but he's in net. And I do wonder because I feel like there's teams that need goaltending help. So. I just yeah. don't know how well regarded Anthony Stolarz is. Yeah, that's the thing is there's just not really any UFAs necessarily on the forward group. I mean, outside of yeah, basically Derek well, Grant. You could I mean you could in theory trade RFAs too. I mean you could yeah. trade Max Contois. Yeah. If you don't think you're gonna qualify him or or whatever, you just don't see him as a long term. Speaking piece. of unqualified uh RFAs, shout out to Sonny Milano. Good for him to getting a three oh, year yeah. extension. Uh he deserves it. He's a good player. Should have been signed. I think yep. that is one of Pat Verbeek's mistakes. Um, Skabaffer asks, what are you, who are your top targets for the Ducks in free agency? Dylan Larkin? Will he test the market? I don't know. To be honest, I just don't think that... So in terms of any of the big names, I'm going to say no for the Ducks. I just don't think they're... Would you think they should go after David Pasternak? <sighs> I mean... I don't know. Would that would be would that be the only one that you would kind of second guess on? I would second guess on that a little bit because of how good he is. Yes, Corey especially. I'm, I mean, let's say that you draft Connor Bedard, and now your top six you have Bedard, you have Terry, you have Zegras, you bring in Pasternak, you have McTavish in that mix. I mean, that's that's something. Yeah, that's the beginning of something. It's definitely something. Uh, what about Corey Perry? Does Corey Barry, Perry come back for? Yes, give him a swan song. Give him yeah. a give him one last dance in in Anaheim. Why there the hell not? Go. Bring him back for another year. Push the Ducks into the playoffs and win a cup for Corey Perry. There we go. That that would be the craziest. That would be the best story in sports that we've seen. You get Connor Bedard. You bring in Corey Perry, and the Ducks go from one of the last place teams in the league to winning the cup. Would Tomas Tatar interest you? He is a UFA, and I don't think he's too gonna... old. No, but he's still. I mean, he's. He's playing well this season. I think it. Well, I think it would depend on the contract. That's the thing is, I feel like at his age, you're, that's fair. You're not going to have to pay like what you would have to pay 
one of these bigger name wow. guys. Milan so. Lucic is finally going to be UFA of the summer. Oh my god. I'm like oh. looking at this list and it's just like yeah, Tomas wow. Tatar's underlying numbers are amazing this season and he's always okay. been an analytical darling. So yeah. that's that's I'm a guy really, I would actually target. I'm really curious what some of the deals for some of these pending UFAs are going to be for some of the older guys, the the Patrick Kane's, the Taves, the Tarasenko's, the O'Reilly's. What are teams like Man. This I feel like this is a year more so than others where GM's understanding of aging curves is going to be tested. Well, and also all this whining about no cap space. It's like, okay, well, here's your chance to not well, screw I'm, it up. I'm just curious how many teams are going to overpay a 35-year-old Jonathan Taves because of his name brand. Same thing, Ryan O'Reilly. Like, There's going to be a team that's going to overpay for him. Uh, like, It's going to be fascinating to see where yeah. this goes right because i mean you look at what nazem kadri got right yeah how old is kadri right now he must be what 31 32 so you would hope that you would think ryan o'reilly is going to be looking for that same exact deal seven years at seven million dollars yeah kadri's yeah kadri's 32 kadri's so. 32 and ryan o'reilly is 32 right now so, I mean, yeah. are you going to want to be on the, on the hook for seven more years of Ryan O'Reilly? I, I don't think any of those names are, you know, are players that the Ducks no, it, no, no, no. I'm just kind of more so looking at this and being like, wow, Kyle Posos deal is finally going to be up. Yeah. I, I think that you're kind of looking, if you're the Ducks, at this tier, the kind of next tier down, maybe even two tiers down from those yeah. guys. Like, I think that there's maybe some bargains that you can go out and get. I mean, I don't know. Miles would probably be a little cheaper. I don't know. Yeah. Just throw not names, but the point is, I don't see the Ducks being big time players in in free agency. Hey, uh, Evgeny Dodonov is going to be a, a UFA. There you go. I mean, maybe the Ducks circle back to that. Who knows? But then, will he want to go? So we'll see. Yeah. Yep. All right. I think that. It, oh, we got another one from Skabaffer. Oh, and we got another one from CJKHL. <laughs> So Skabafer said, what about defenseman free agents? Feels like Verbeek could rebuild the decor if he wants to this summer. Um, The tough part with unrestricted free agency is, first off, it's a bidding war, and also the guys just aren't ever going to be in the right age range. So it's going to have to more likely going to be a trade that gets in that. And the other thing I think that you have to be careful about with defensemen is – if you sign a guy as a free agent, most likely there's going to be term associated with that, unless it's a John Klingberg-like type player. And you look at the Ducks' pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to put too many roadblocks there. No. Like, this, the Ducks' defensive pipeline is, what, seven, eight players deep? There's quite a few guys. Like, Zellweger, and- Zellweger Minchukov, uh, granted we'll see with Lacombe and Thrun, Hellison, Warren, um, Leno. I mean, some Hines. of those guys are, are a few years away, so I no, wouldn't. Yeah, yes, w- but you don't want to put you don't want to sign a guy for seven years necessarily. That could potentially be a roadblock for those guys. No, specifically a Zellweger and a Minchukov. Yeah, I think that those are the two that you would be most concerned with that. But I think if they're good enough, they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna get into the lineup no matter what. So yeah, but then, but then you're going to, like, what happened? Like, you're going to, it restructures your team a bit. And so I think you well, want to be careful about there's that There's just, right there's now. nobody in this market that's going to get that kind of contract. Like, just look at the names. I mean, Klingberg is, is like, at the top of this list. You've got Matt Dumba. I feel Eric, like Gavrikov's going to get, uh, going to get paid. Yeah, I mean, sure. But Eric Johnson, Dmitry Orlov, Gossis Bear, Clefbaum, like, 
Nobody is going to get this big prohibitive contract. Does Radko Gudas interest you? Um, I don't know. I, haven't, I don't really spend much time thinking about Radko Gudas. I, I'm just looking at names. He's got solid numbers. Out. I don't know. I mean, he's... I think just anyone that you can kind of go out and get for a, just a kind of a shorter term deal, like, you know, three to four years max, I think that's the kind of guy you want. And maybe Gudas is that because of his age. So, yeah. All right. Um, all right. We got two questions uh, from Twitch. Uh, our good friend Chris said, thoughts on fried chicken for breakfast? Oof. That's a. So, fried chicken, choice. if it's chicken and waffles. Yeah. That is where it belongs. It's delicious, but it's... Oh, you know who's a UFA that uh, could be maybe a little bit more cost-effective for the Ducks? Who? On on the blue line. Who? Troy Stetcher. You could have two Troys in Anaheim. There you go. Yeah. Uh, why not bring in Jay Beagle also? <laughs> yeah. Get a, get Tyson Nash in the, the commentary booth as well. Yeah. Just, just um, go all in. Th- but back to the back to not uh, deflect off of Chris's question. Thoughts on fried chicken for breakfast. I've had it and it's delicious, but of course not something I would do regularly. No, no, but it's, it's, it's delicious. It's, it's yeah. got, it's, it's got its seat at the table. Chicken and waffles are great, especially go to Roscoe's, get chicken and waffles from Roscoe's. It's, it's, yeah. Best. Yeah. Like it's a must have. Um, all right. DB Lowry said, what's your all's favorite, uh, ducks alternate Jersey. He said he still has a, a soft spot for the Oh three to Oh six black alts. Alternate jerseys. Huh? So, um, I mean, in, Technically, the Ducks' current home was once a alternate jersey. Yes, it was. Do I go with that just to, no, just to you stir won't. the pot? So, for me, it's between the current third, the orange one, with the Mighty Ducks logo. Uh-huh. But, realistically, I would probably go, it was in the early 2000s. They had that third and fourth jersey. And specifically that was the, the 90s. White, was it the 90s? I thought it was yeah. the early 2000s. No, um, early 2000s was the script. Well, that was 03. I'm thinking about, like, 2000. Okay, well, the, the fourth jersey was 98-99. Okay, so maybe so. I was off slightly. Um, so that one that is the white version, not the, the jade version. Yeah. That, I, that, yeah. that I think, is the best alternate. I like the jade version, too, though. It was nice. So, by the way, that white jersey was 99 to 2000, so technically in 2000. Oh, I do see that. Boom. Well, anyway, you said 2000s. Uh, Fair. My favorite alternate has got to be the 25th anniversary. Where, where, so let, let's do That's a, actually, a, oh, you want to, you want to power rank these? Let's do a power rank. Where does the, uh, mighty, the wild wing Jersey come into play here? Well, that's not an alternate Jersey though. Yes, it was the wild wing. Oh, you're talking about the original wild wing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh boy. You know, as great as I think it is, I can't have it ranked anywhere near the top. It's just, I, I, it's too absurd. Wait, okay. What are your thoughts? Now we're just going to go into these jerseys because why the hell not? Why not? What are your thoughts on the script one? So I remember being a kid and seeing those and thinking that they were really cool. Yeah. For whatever reason. Because yep. they are truly alternate. Like they, they are completely different yep. from the other two jerseys. And I respect that. Like I respect what they were going for there. But I just, I just think they're kind of boring. Although I do like, I think the, the, is it black or navy? It's black. It's black. Yeah, I I like the black with the eggplant. Like I like the colors. I just 
Maybe it's the jersey itself that's just a little plain. So I think it's a good straight man to the Mighty Ducks jersey. A what? Like the guy that plays it straight. You have the good cop, the bad cop, the straight oh, man. Okay. The guy, yeah, the guys, I, the, the I, guy that I've never heard uh, that expression. Maybe, maybe I'm making up something. That, Sorry. That, that really threw me off. Anyway, continue. <laughs> but th- this is kind of the, the more so kind of traditional look in comparison to the out there <laughs> Mighty Ducks jersey, right? Yeah. With the script, <laughs> did I just make maybe I I could have sworn that that's a term, but whatever. Um, I mean, my, I, I, now I understand what you meant. It's just really funny. Yeah. Um, but the it's the straight ish- edge version. Is that what you're trying to say? Straight no, edge? No. I, okay. I'm not gonna Google this to see if it is a term. Don't don't uh, Google it. <laughs> okay. Um, but my issue with it is it's kind of like a king's jersey from that era but see that's what makes it good is i like that king's look <laughs> no i get it but it's okay good db lowry saying it is a term okay good i just like the i just but, think i just think that the script is a little like everything about it is just plain but i like the i like the theory behind it i, I, I like i agree i yeah. think that i think that kind of it's one that's fine it's it's a middle tier jersey. Are the me, are the yeah. Ducks just addicted to making alternate jerseys look more like their rival teams than the actual Ducks? Like With the twenty fifth, yeah, twenty fifth. Okay, so the best you're saying the best all time is is the orange third. No, the best all time is the white uh, oh, okay. third. The I white version wild of that. wing for a second. No, okay. I, I would go that white one. Then I'd go the orange third. Then I'd probably go the the wild wing jersey. Then the jade one. Then the script, then wow. the one that became the current. This is so home. disrespectful to the web. Oh, and, and then the 25th. Wow. Okay. At least you're consistent. Yeah. Okay. My number one of all time. And for those that don't know, the reason I hate the 25th, it's the Frankenstein. Like, they legitimately said that is the theory behind it. And it looks like a Bruins jersey with the ducks striping on the bottom. <laughs> Uh, so my top Jersey is I'm, I'm going to go the orange third. I'm not the okay. biggest fan of it, but I, I think it's solid. And this is going to sound like a very niche comment, but the Adidas version with the thicker black collar actually makes that Jersey a lot better. Anyway. So that's number one for me. Number two, I'm going to go with, you know what? I'm going chaos. When the, when the the ducks current home, then alternate first came out. I really liked it. No, it was it was, it was a good it was alternate. Funky. It was funky. It was just it was out a there. good alternate. And the the gold script was the gold trim on the numbers was so much better. So I'm going with that number two. Oh, thank God, you're a gold truther. The gold. We have the, people out. We have people out there that hate the gold on the Ducks jersey and the gold. The gold's good. Gold is a good color in this team's color scheme. It and, is. I don't they, know why people want to go away with it. AKA Connor. Yeah, it, like. Orange has its seat at the table, clearly, but gold gold is a nice spot here. So those two, number one and two. Number three, I'm going to tip my cap to the script logo, partly as a uh, as a hat tip to the late arrivals pod. So that's my number three. And then I'll go 25th anniversary because I don't think it's as bad as you're making it out to be. I like the, I like the, the shade of orange or red for the hockey sticks. And somehow, some way, the the fourth jersey from the '90s is going to end up last. But I like those two. They're just kind of, they're just kind of like generic. Like that th- that could be any team's jersey. Oh, you just the white slap ones. On. The white ones good. Well, it's not as good as the the, t- the jerseys I have ranked above it. So, Ugh. 
Well, where do you have the Wild Wing jersey? Oh, it's it's lost for me. I just It's a perfect alternate though. I think it's that out the, there, it's wacky, the script's weird. It's too it's, it's so it's good. Too, it's too far in that direction. It's so good. Like it's, the thing is, I, and I don't it's have so any. So good for the '90s. I don't have any attachment to it. Is the the is thing the is, I don't either because I don't remember them wearing it that much. I was four years old. I'm ranking this just by nostalgia. Like the number one for me is like, it's the one I think is objectively the best, and then two and three are just jerseys Although, I liked as a kid. Can so. I say that looking at this, the reverse retro version of it's the so much better of the Wild Wing is so much better. I know, like I that's why I, I actually don't like the original because I don't like the the jade being so dominant with kind of the white striping like the it's white just, the white works like it's so that, much better that should just be their alternate and also the wild wing is oh. a little less kind of crazy looking against a white background it yeah kinda, I, see, I could see that yeah i'm just not the biggest fan i mean if the current reverse retro was an option as an alternate i would i would be do you have any issue with the fact that the ice is green as db lowry saying on that jersey <laughs> I had never even thought about that. Uh, no, no issue. No issue at all. Water can be, water is green at times. Oh, so the bottom white stripe is supposed to be ice. Yes. The original that, one. That's why that was white. Well, I'll be damned. He's breaking through the ice. Did you, wait, what? I didn't realize that there was the additional texture. Have you never seen the like ice cubes like around him? I'll be damned. <laughs> I'll be damned. I've been having my my chain yanked all these years, so <laughs> wow. I don't know if that that's appropriate here. <laughs> Whatever, you've made it this far, you know you know what to expect. Let's add, let's go with this favorite jersey the Ducks have ever worn. Looking at their uh, history, so is this any jersey all time or jerseys any that jer- I've seen them wear? Any jersey all time. Wow. You have to okay. pick one, including the colored ver. Which color? Okay. Hmm. Quite honestly, and I mean this with all sincerity, in full transparency. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> My favorite Ducks jersey of all time might actually be the twentieth anniversary version of the original jersey. The Reebok Edge version of the original Mighty Ducks jersey just looked so clean and crisp. Bold take. But I just I like it. I remember seeing that jersey and just loving like like Jonas Hiller had those Can sick I just pads say, with it. One of the best aspects of that entire jersey is the side piping on the pants. Like it just completes the look. Side Oh, you mean just the yeah, the yeah. striping. The striping. Piping. Yeah. Piping? I meant striping. Um for me it's got to be Don't say Wild Wing. No, 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 no. no. I'd probably go with the Late '90s to early 2000 white version of the jersey with the Wild Wing shoulder patch. That would probably be my number two. Yeah, the white. I think the white is a superior jersey to the eggplant. Um, yeah, I just think it's a really clean and good look. Um, can so. can you imagine the, the those jerseys and the Adidas kind of cut today? Picture if like the Ducks just like said, "Screw it, we're going back," and next year they just come out in these jerseys. Picture yeah. like the fanfare. Like, think about just like how like that would break everything. Yeah, it would break the internet. It would. Like, I don't. I feel like the team does not realize the treasure trove they're sitting on there. Well, 
Take that up with the boss. Okay. Here's the thing. The Samuelis love the orange. It's kind of like, it's almost like their stamp on the franchise. Yeah. So I just don't see any, like, I'm not trying to throw water on but I think that the, they they know the uh, popularity uh-oh. of this look. Uh-oh. This 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 podcast is not ending anytime soon, FYI, with the uh, comments we're getting. Uh, D.B. Lowry saying, we're all in agreement that the 08 Reebok Edge version of the black and white jerseys were the worst. Oh, no. no. I actually... So that, I'm, that would be my number two, I think. I wonder if he's talking about the ones the the like first year of the Reebok Edge, the logo ended up like super small and it was really awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. But that was like a weird thing with the Reebok Edge. But that format, that is probably my number two in terms of like a kit, like a it, home and away set. It's my number two because I don't love the script, but I love the jersey itself. Because I think yeah. it's a it's a nice it's it's to me it's it's the perfect balance between kind of past and present where yep. it's a similar layout to the mighty ducks but you have the new colors and i like orange like this just a nice little accent but not dominating not just too in your face yep. like like what they're trying to do with the current alternates so. yeah i mean basically the ducks have had two different sets of or three different sets of home and aways throughout their history and so this is definitely the middle and there's a big jump until the current ones um yeah. uh CJ, our, our good friend Chris said, uh, uh, does Felix see everything in the wild logo and yeah. that the wild logo is a bear head? Yeah. What are these? What do they call those things? Pentagram? No, I don't. I don't what know. Pentagram. What is a pentagram? Uh, oh, yeah. crap. Mike, that's, Michael, that's, Bree, not, Michael. <laughs> that's not what I thought that was. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Michael Oops. B in a picture within a picture. <laughs> So brings up the reason I'm chat. the reason I'm chuckling is I think a, <laughs> I think a pentagram is like the the satanic star which I did that is not what I was going for there oops sorry everyone <laughs> there you go Michael B said uh, the thirteen fourteen team was also like this talking about the twentieth anniversary the most fun team in Ducks history I associate that the Reebok Mighty Ducks uh, jersey with that season even though they wore it like one time right and so yeah they only wore it one time for that twentieth anniversary game but yeah I mean those early Boudreaux years were so much fun. The 13 14 season with Matthew Perot. Like, that team's kind of underrated. It was just an optimal, kind of balanced look. They had the better gloves, the better equipment with the orange. Like, because the then orange the orange, cuff. the oranges popped more. It was just better. That orange cuff was so good. Well, no, they had, so for those, they had the orange lettering on the gloves. They didn't even oh, have an orange cuff yet. Yeah, the orange cuff was better. No. Yeah. Man. This this pentagram snafu is just <laughs> not not gonna age well. That's you fine. thought you thought I got caught. I'm what fine. the heck? What the heck is this thing called now? Well, uh, I have to look this up. Picture is, within a picture like within a picture, ne- like using negative space. No, it's like you have one image, but then within that image, there's another uh, image. I guess. Uh, I don't, I, I know what you're talking about, but there's a term for this. It's like really going to bother me. I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm going to toss and turn until I figure this out. <laughs> and then you're going to randomly text me about it. I'm going to text you at three thirty-seven AM that I so, figured it out. Yeah. The Minnesota wild logo is for sure a bear, not a wolf for whatever reason. There's like a question online of whether it's a bear. Or oh, a that's, that's definitely not a wolf though. No, I mean, that's I a bear. Yeah, man. What the, it's not on Wikipedia. This is craziness. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, 
this is frustrating because I know at one point I knew what this was called, and now I'm badly well, mistaken. It's almost it 10 p.m. Else. We should probably get out of here. That we should. So, <laughs> on this note, um, as the trolls just keep rolling into the chat, that's fine. Laugh <laughs> it up. Laugh it up. I'll keep the receipts. Laugh it up all you want. Puck Empire is going to have an interesting day tomorrow. Hat tip. Hat tip to everyone that listened today. Big hat tip. If you want us to keep this thing going, and if you want us to keep thriving and living our best lives, there's an easy way for you to support us. Go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. For $1 per month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord server. It's the best. You get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. And then for $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes a month uh, where we go, believe it or not, we're more unfiltered and we talk about the Ducks and also just more NHL-wide topics as well. But if you don't want to do that, you can also check us out on Apple Podcasts. Uh, just search Crash the Pond to leave a rating and a review. It just takes a couple minutes. goes a long way. Uh, it helps us uh, kind of climb up those charts and keep the lights on. You can also find us on Spotify. Uh, subscribe to us there and leave a rating. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Uh, leave us a rating uh, or sorry, uh, subscribe to us there and also make sure to turn on your notifications. Check out crashthepond.com. Check out the sportingtribune.com. Follow Jake on Twitter uh, at reindeergames91. Follow me on Twitter. Just search Felix Card. That will do it for our show tonight. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye.